Borak Dog Earthlets. My name is Conrad, alongside my friend Fox. This is the 157th episode of Space Spinner 2000 Whoa. podcast, where two Americans try to make sense of the UK's own galaxy's greatest comic, 2000 AD, one month of progs at a time. This episode, we're covering 2000 AD for December 1986, progs 499. Oh, to 502. Yeah, nice round number there. <laughs> it's the end of the year, man. I really thought about like um like doing like or or like mixing around the number of issues that t- to get there so we could like start on on prog on prog 500 Just this episode. Give us a nightmare, you know. But like because the the year ends in 502 anyway, it's sort of a futile thing. <laughs> uh, like poor planning gonna... on their part, you know. Fucking Rick Sanchez. <laughs> I can't here. help it. Um, I'm so sorry. This is going to be burps. No problem. This time, we revisit Tharg's head. Slain, slain ends one quest and starts another. <laughs> Dread is in the Christmas move. mood. Torquemada returns. And grab your boots, turniphead, because you're in bad company now. Bad company! I know they never sang Thank- that that hard, but... I, was. I appreciate it. I was going to do that, too. Um, if you want to read along with us, you'll find the comics we're covering today in Judge Dread the Complete Case Files 10, Strontium Dog, SDHD Files 3, Slain the King, Rogue Trooper, Tales of New Earth 3, The Bad Company Collection, and the Sooner or Later Collection. Beautiful. Yeah. And let's begin our uh, travails the end of 1986 with the end of one quest, Fox, as we go to... 301 Slain. Don't lose your head over it, buddy. We're going into yeah. the middle of it. Pagan King time. I know. Uh, so s- time to like jump into the mouth of a of, of a landfish underwater. That's right. Yeah. Uh, script robot Pat Mills, art robot Mike Collins, and Mark Farmer, and Glenn Fabry. Oh, art, uh, letting robot C. Potter. So we're in the final chapter of the Spoils of Anoon Fox. Fuck yes. You know, can't wait this for the spoils. Yeah, Slain, Uko, and uh, Nest all traveling through the signs of the Celtic Zodiac to get Slain ready to like become a king or something. I guess it was prophesized. Generally, though, they're going to uh, try to get these sweet spoils, because that's what I'm interested in. Yeah, man. Prince who was promised, etc. Game of Thrones feels like it's like it's relevant right now, right? Yeah, something. <clears throat> something, definitely. Um, so we're at Pisces, the final sign of the Celtic Zodiac. It's a huge orc or whale under a giant lake. And Slane's <laughs> got to swim down and offer his head to the pale one, Gwyn. Which, hey, why not? I guess, uh, you know, just going to own up to that. And really, he uh, he sticks his neck out for this guy. Yeah, he's ready to do it, buddy. Um, Ucko tries to talk Slane out of it, but no dice because he's diving in. And to me, this part feels very reminiscent of like the middle section of Beowulf. I don't know oh, if you're yeah. familiar with no, that one, I, Fox. I, I definitely got like very big images of it because when you go and you fight Grundle, Grendel, 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 yeah. But this was Grendel's mom that lived, um, or mother that that lived in like a, a cave or something under a big lake. Really? So it's a lot of this sort of yeah, going underwater and then having a big well. Um, Beowulf had a big fight under there. Mm. Slain does other stuff, but it's the same sort of like I don't know, like the. It feels very one to one. Yeah, or there's like, uh, you know, I'm sure a, a classics professor or somebody could really talk about the metaphors of traveling underwater and then entering a new space to sort of have a climactic situation. Um, it's a birth um, metaphor? Yeah, fair. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> um. <laughs> Sorry, I had, to, um, I, had to, I had to look down my glasses as I said that. 
No, definitely. Yeah. So, so Slane finds Gwyn in an underwater cave sleeping in a coffin with his wife, the crone-like goddess of death, who we met earlier with um, also the goddess of spring and uh, the samurai or, or, you know, whatever, the matron to go along with the uh, with maid and the uh, and the widow. Or yeah. Whatever. And you know that they're um, not like, uh, like, you know, orthodox earth worshippers because they they're willing to share the same bed, you know? Mm. Um, so it seems like Gwyn was in a, had a terrible accident and now can't make the earth fertile, so he needs the blood of Slain to do so. I mean, fair enough. Okay. Uh, Slain goes to the block and Gwyn goes to take a cut with his axe, but when he does, he stops just short and Slain is spared. Yeah, but they do this whole thing beforehand where it's just like, ah, oh, I gotta, I'm gonna do it. Oh, wait, you know. I need to like can you can you move your neck out a little bit stretch your head yeah you know? oh uh, yeah I'm about to do it oh can you uh, can you lift your torch and shit and it's just like what is this slapstick routine for cutting off I think it's very much sort of like showing that Slane is willing to do this yeah, and sort of, of is 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 making his sacrifice basically willingly you know mm. and so sort of all these little things are sort of like like to get him to the point where he's like just go on cut my head off already you know <laughs> it's very it's, like it's oh, okay. time. Slain spared to the victor goes the spoils and what are the spoils, buddy? Uh, Slain knows because the treasure is in fact a question to whom serveth the spoils of a noon, and this leads to a trippy view of a starfield. Slain has learned the nature of a true ruler and become the master of the stars, the once and future king. Dope. I'm I'm ready to be a king, dog. Let's swim out of this cave. Yeah, of course, the Once and Future King was also like the title that uh, King Arthur has. Oh, um, uh, there's a pretty famous like 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 book about him that's called that. Um, and, you know, and I think we actually heard mention of Arthur as well by, um, you know, I'm, 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 I'm by by Medrid, who's who, who's actually uh, uh, Merlin and stuff yeah. like that. I or, mean, there's uh, a lot uh, of uh, murder. I mean. Yeah. So there's a lot of reference to that stuff. Um so whatever, um, you know, the spoils of a noon are enlightenment. Sla- uh, Nest is Nest is of course explaining all of this to Ucko above the water, and he's super frustrated and just wants to freaking kill himself because he's just like, "Dang, we did all this for that? That's terrible." It seems to. <laughs> I mean, it, the more that they quest together, the less it seems like they're about that cash. I feel like it's true. Ucko's been getting the the short end of the I don't know quest stick. I mean, I feel like things are turning around, honestly. I um, mean, yeah, they're going to go do some adventure shit, but we ain't yeah. gotten no money for a while. Well, I, I feel like he managed to fill his pockets at least um, mm. during the Tomb of Terror, right? Oh, that's like, true. Um, so, the, the, so they reunite, the party heads out to their riding dragon, the Nooker, and if Uka was worried that a newly enlightened slain would be super different, <laughs> a nah, quick man. trip to the local tavern will soon change his view. Hey, fuck yeah, he's going to get drunk. Yeah, the uh, the story ends with some facts about Glastonbury, how two skeletons, one of them giant, were once found there, and that a giant earthquake once destroyed a Christian church there. Take that, Christians! Oh my god, pagans rule, Christians drool! <laughs> Woo, pagans rule, okay. Um, <laughs> so, that story ended, let's just jam into another one, Fox. Slain the king! Hey, be rolling! I mean, yeah, he just got anointed, so why not just straight up call him the king now? Definitely. So uh, the the uh, deadly winter's upon us, 
As the evil Fomorian sea devils descend upon Slane's people, they come from Tory Island, which, you know, I see what you're doing there, Pat Mills. Come <laughs> on, buddy. Evil, like, uh, sh- tax-taking sharks come from Tory Island. Okay. Um, the sea devils have a lot of different looks, but they're basically just kind of gen- uh, angry shark men mm-hmm. of various kinds. They're charging people a nose tax. You got to pay up or, you know, they cut your nose off, which is tough. Um, <laughs> meanwhile, Slane is preparing to return turn to his tribe Nesta's staying behind and they make out for like yeah. a whole page basically it's, it's pretty cool it's just like fast forward to all of the things that hadn't happened yet but we're just like it's make out time and then it's peace yeah. like god jesus i think after i think i think after nest got blessed by the uh, virgin it was time to uh, to lose that blessing you take my meaning <laughs> Um, Murden or Merlin has gifted Slain with a mighty treasure, the Cauldron of Plenty. It's super powerful, and Slain must, you know, keep an eye on it, basically. And it's Slain, definitely, the, it, it's, because uh, uh, I've seen this before, like a museum piece, because they do a specific, like, side view of it. Like, I feel like oh, I've seen this before. I, like, I'll dig it up at some point, because I forgot to do it before yeah. here. But I remember something, especially, like, from taking a, a 1066 course. Um, mm. and, and they're being like, Hey, this is all this the artifacts left on the British Isles. I could be completely wrong, nice. but I feel like there is a specific like cauldron or bowl that they're referencing. This. Ah, see, I mostly just think of that, uh, what of like that, that, that movie that everybody says is like the real, like dark depths of, um, of, uh, Disney that they had to like, you know, oh, do the, the black cauldron back for. Yeah. I love those. I love those books when I was a kid. Just a little Conrad fact. Oh. Um, anyway. Slain, the Nooker, and Uko set out, leaving the others behind, including uh, that that out-of-time King Murdak. Mm. The boys fly over the countryside. Slain's stoked to see his lost love, Neve. Though Uko can't help but notice that he's just really been just banging out chicks across time and space. I mean, that's what a barbarian king does, you know? It's really true. Um, You know, yeah, basically Slain's answer is like, uh, shut up, baby. Um, (laughs) But I mean, it is very, I mean, like, that's a very big folklore thing. I mean, that's a big, like, I don't know, just to talk about more classical literature, like, you know, like in the Odyssey, like Odysseus. Oh, like, I mean, you know, yeah, that guy does tons of ladies. <laughs> no, counterpoint, like, like Penelope and her handmaidens are like in big trouble if they did, like all the, all of her handmaids that did sleep with like the foreign suitors get killed at the end and stuff. You know, how yeah. it goes. Cool. Patriarchy, cool. buddy. Live it up. <laughs> Hooray for uh, Greek tragedies. Hey, buddy, that's a uh, double standard. We're on the good, and we're on the right side of it, so it's fine, I guess. Um, <laughs> soon as they're flying by, they spot a deer, and the nook and, and the nooker swoops in. Quickly afterwards, it's dinner time, and a weird hand is appearing from under the cauldron. Ooh, what kind of oogie stuff is coming out of this cauldron, buddy? Oh, it's bad stuff, man. Slain and Uko are chilling out while the nooker finishes up a stag. We learn that this cauldron of plenty only grants pure wishes, although that might be some Christian mumbo-jumbo. Um, Slain explains that the pot is an entrance to the inner L worlds, and the the forces of light and darkness can erupt from any time from it. Um, for instance, he says, he dumps the pot out and a giant gross demon comes out of it. Whoa. Ooh, I'm all gross. And, and he got that those stink lines raising out of him, you know? Yeah. Slain wrestles it a little bit, then shows him the three fingers, the sign of light. And uh, it's sort of like like is is forced backwards. 
it's it must have um it's the uh it the, the monster is Avigdu, the ugliest son of the earth go- goddess it's frightened by this sign and escapes into the cauldron it must have been come to the smell of blood from the deer Bolo, sure why next not? time yeah sure next time that's the like just doing some hand signs probably won't hold it off but luckily things get bloody around slain quite easily so you don't got to worry about it that much yeah i mean you won't really need to lean into the whole gang symbol thing yeah, listen. Uh, meanwhile, meanwhile, <laughs> in a Murius, capital of Slain's tribe, Slain's lost love, uh, 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 Niev, is yelling at the king, Ragal, because he's knuckled under to the, those damn evil Fomorians. And man, led by, yeah. She is a barbarian, if ever I've seen one. Totally, yeah. She's got this, um, we, we've seen this a couple of times. She's got this, like, lipstick that's like a square around her mouth that I think is really interesting. Um, yeah. Um, so the leader of the Fomorians is this guy like Quagslide, who's just kind of sitting there suggesting that she if her, and her son are starving, she should like eat her son. What? You know, it's got a lot of like very like practical solutions that involve cannibalism and misery, you know? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> seems to be their kind of thing. He even offers to say when she's like, you, you're fucking joking, right? And he's like, no, nah, man, my like our women eat their offspring all the time. Just got to do yeah, it. Yeah, we're shark men. You know, we got different standards. <laughs> Um, anyhow, can't the boy's father help her? Uh, That's the one she hates most of all, second only to the Vimorians. Might not be the happy reunion we're thinking of. I Um, mean, you know, it just means a lot of fighting and then, you know, other things. Something. Uh, so Niev, uh, continues to, uh, continues that Ragal used to be cool until he married her. A hot blonde named Megrim. Just like and nude all over these bear furs. Yeah, they just got like their their uh, their a doing it bed just right there in in the room with the throne and stuff. It's pretty awesome. I mean, sure, <laughs> why I guess if you're just like the the fucking Earth King here. Yeah. Might as well. People people want to see that, you know? Um, <laughs> people want to it's a power move for sure. Yeah. And so so Niev says that 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 Megrim's put a glamour on the king. Ragal explains that she had to make a treaty with the Fomorians, but Niev, Niev's not mo- uh not mollified. Megrim talks down to her, being like, Oh, you're dumb, and then it's a fight time. Oh fuck yeah. Knife versus club, who gonna win? Yeah. Well Niev starts strong, but then me uh, uh Megrim warps into some kind of crazy murder monster that only Niev can see. Oh my god. She's totally an L. Yeah. Megrim spares her and just makes her look real crazy, which is bad times. Meanwhile, Slain is explaining the quartered nature of the L worlds Great. contained within the cauldron. This is very much the stuff you'd find in the appendix section of a, in, in, in the back of a D&D book, <laughs> where, you know, prime material planes and so forth. Um, there's worlds, there's devil, there's uh, angels and devils, elder gods, elemental creatures. And I, I'll say, Fox, that for me, this kind of mid-level mumbo jumbo kind of building the world, I'm much cooler with this because it's just sort of explaining how there's a possibility that various weird stuff could come out of this pot, you know? Yeah, I'm, I'm good. <laughs> like uh, some kind of Cthulhu monster or, uh, yeah. or like a it's fire very much demon. A me- yeah, I think it's very much, you know, for me, this feels much more of a means to an end for just explaining how this weird stuff's going to work, you know, and, and I, 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 I like it a lot more than the sort of karma stuff we were dealing with previously oh, big with time. this lane. It definitely. Just because it doesn't, yeah. 
It it Good. reminds me of those old paper things that uh, kids used to make where it's like, you know. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. So, like, <laughs> you, you kind of choose, like, a number and then a color and then some other shit. And then uh, right. you got yourself an Elder God. Yeah. I mean, mostly just that, you know, this feels like something that can that can c- allow there to be heroics, whereas the karma stuff I felt like sort of prevented heroism. Strong so, I don't know. That's my plan. Um, anyway, we learned that Avigdu is in a constant state of decay and is drawn to blood, thinking you can use it to halt that decay, sort of a Madame Bathory kind of way. I can't, whatever, you know, Duchess Bath, whatever, whatever that lady was. Um, so why not give him some blood from this oncoming uh, Fomorian patrol? Why not indeed? Let's kill these fish guys. Kick, kiss my axe. So awesome. <laughs> I mean, we're back into Next the thick time, of yeah. it, baby. We're get, getting it going. Next time. Blood for Avigdu. Yeah, real excited for this uh, Slain story. There's going to be, this one's going to have some sort of stops and starts, unfortunately. But it's going to be, I I think it's generally going to be real fun. We're going to have a lot of crazy Celtic stuff going on in this one. And I'm really interested. And, you know, I I really like the reunion of uh, of, uh, Slain and Niav and the rest of the people in this tribe. for sure. That's going to be a lot of, really neat. This isn't the, let's say last slain story would it be because i mean he is coming oh, back no. to the tribe oh fucking slain slain awesome. continues to this day you know <gasps> like oh i'm so happy now listen that. listen fox i don't want you to take this to me that that like slain isn't gonna die right it's just that you know he's a celtic guy with a lot of magic so you know death isn't the handicap it used to be in the olden <laughs> days you know what i mean fucking awesome i'm into that like you know i i don't want you to let that be like oh well now there's no now there's no suspense, you know. No, just no, there's no. A lot of stuff Look, going man. Yeah. As soon as soon as I saw that one of the quadrants was the land of the dead, I'm like, all right. Yeah, fair enough. There's a lot of stuff going on. It should be good. Um, and hey, speaking of uh, things that mu- that are rapidly reaching a conclusion, Fox. <laughs> Thrill to sooner or later. I mean, just in the same prog, right? Yeah. Well, 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 they held one off last episode. Oh, yeah. Um. I think they just wanted to power out in the uh, in 499. I feel like also it's one of these situations where, you know, when they sort of try to do a big restart like they do in Prague 500, the last one or two progs until that point can be a little sparse as they're sort of clearing the decks and mm. stuff. So a uh, script about Peter Milligan, art about Brendan McCarthy, learning about Tom Frame. Two parts here in 499, like Fox said, to finish up the story of Mickey Swifty Swift. Back in 1986, we learned that Swifty, Swifty's mom never got his letter from the far future, but his buddy Clinton did. The big worry that he has is that he's lost his welfare money while he was having adventures. And the bureaucrat is not very understanding of his uh, confusing tra- uh, travails of political satire and just general weirdness way out there. On your bike, he kicks him out. Yeah, man. <laughs> don't don't take your acid nightmares here. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, in the final episode, Swifty walks past a very confused Judge Dredd. <laughs> right old laugh, isn't it? Or old larf, I should say. Swifty and Clinton reflect on the events of the story and that Swifty has an invitation to go to a party in the 31st century. You know, sure, 1986 is cool and all that, I guess. But there's a whole lot of time stream out there. And, you know, let's just go check it out. When do we want to go do it? Oh, you know, sooner or later... Uh, sooner or later next time nothing is that is that yeah it? you know that that's the end of, well no uh, there's gonna be a sequel to uh sooner or later in i think maybe a year or two okay coming up does he make it to the but, party you know, do i find out i don't i feel like i i want to i feel like I don't, I don't i don't remember it very well actually so you know we'll we'll find out when it happens sweet <laughs> yeah 
All right. Um, but yeah, you know, good times. And you know, again, like I said, we're sort of clearing the decks here. Yeah. Of so course. speaking of a uh, more deck clearing, <laughs> and of course of something I'm very interested in, Fox, which is which is revenge. It's thrill three strontium dog. God, it's I mean, you know, never gonna. I, like I'm sad it's going, but you know, I do I do like some revenge, man. Yeah, this is good, man. Uh, Script about Alan Grant and John Wagner's Alan Grant. Art about Carlos Escarra. Lightning about Gordon Robson as Kid Robson. Mutant bounty hunters Johnny Alpha and Midface McNulty are on the planet M17 on the trail of a Creeler, one of the, uh, uh, you know, anti-mutant thugs from uh, Johnny Alpha's father's campaign against mutant kind. The guy named David Bird, who was, yeah, an anti-mutant war criminal. He has a sweet gem in the holograms tattoo. Oh, yeah. They're on a planet that's at war. They've tried to sneak into the camp, but it's failed. So now it's time to start fighting, a- a- a.k.a. what happens every time Conrad tries to infiltrate something in a video game. You know, <laughs> get those first three or four guys real good, but then someone sees me. It's like, ah, fuck it. We're just killing everybody. Just <laughs> go. Listen, man, I tried to sneak through and quietly take you out or at least, like, you know, hide your unconscious corpse. But if you're just going to I tried spot to be me- smooth. Now I'm just going to murder everybody, all right? I'm going to murder even like the regular people. I don't care. <laughs> so these army dudes may be tough, but the Strons are just in a whole other class. They quickly take them out. Bird starts to run, and Binface goes after him. Johnny's staying behind to mop up. Binface run down, runs down Bird, get, sh- shoot him in the leg. He corners the Creeler and tells him a tale Flashback. of how Bird... How Bird led a, po- a, a pogrom in the Beersden, Beersden mutant ghetto. The Creelers machine gunning and flamethrowering the populace. We learn there isn't even a bounty out on Bird. This is just personal. During the pogrom, Bird burst into a mutant house with an old couple and a dog. The dog attacked him and the Creelers killed it and the couple. Were those people your parents? No, you bam, but that was my dog, and he kills Bird. <laughs> Fuck yeah, just with his bare goddamn hands. Yeah, it's you awesome. Don't kill a man's dog. No, he'll search you across the universe to get revenge. Biddenface feels a weight lifted from his shoulders. His dog has been avenged. The end. Arf, arf. Yeah, Strontium Dog will return next episode in Prague 505 for a new long-term story. Bitch which will feature the premiere of a new Strontium Dog buddy, uh, Durham Red, who's a lady, and uh, have some more time travel because fucking Reagan's going to show up, man. Dude. <laughs> I'm so excited for this story. God damn. Um, All right. Yeah. I am in. Hey, Count me in. Yeah. Listen, always good. And I don't know. Speaking of new characters, no, I don't think so. Well, yeah, maybe. Um, God damn. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Speaking of a uh, of a of a of a crazy revenge, yes, that's what I want to say. There we go. Three four, Judge Dredd. Oh man, I you know, there's just something about a weird looking sun and a bunch of people flying down, beating the shit out of other people who are just trying to have fun. That screams Mega City. Definitely, yeah. Script about John Wagner, and Alan Grant. Art robot Ron's. Ron Smith, Brendan McCarthy, and Whitaker, and Cliff Robinson. Uh, letting robot Tom Frame. So Ron Smith starts us out on art. It's uh, October 8th, 2108, and the Battle of Chester Dog, who I think was like a country musician. Um, the A bunch of jubes on jetpacks, Hell's Packers, swoops into Chester Dog uh, block and start wrecking shop. Dreads on the case. Packers and dogs are fighting hard, pulling citizens out of windows, doing crazy like uh, uh, jetpack versus hoverboard type of murders here. <laughs> 
It's real good. Um, Dread calls it an H wagon, but it's minutes away. Instead, Dread commandeers a hoverboard, and things get awesome. I mean, when you ah, God, he's just shooting people while like doing sweet yeah. tricks on the hoverboard. He Dread flies through the midair rumble, picking off Jews as he goes. He loses his lawgiver, and instead just grabs a nearby jetpacker yes. and starts swinging him around like a cudgel. Oh, it's awesome! It's the ultimate move, man. It's when you take your bandolier to whip geese. Like, I love it. Yeah. Dread, uh, Dread's holding his own when the H-Wagon finally arrives, and the Flying Squad is on the case. What the f- I, this is just like the, I love, I love this new squad. I just want to say. It's just, yeah, it's, an, it's another one of these awesome, like, uh, like, a like, super specific Dread squads. This case, uh, just basically a, a, a goon squad on jetpacks to kick the crap out of people doing midair crime. I like to imagine um, that there's, uh, that there's like a, um... Oh, why am I forgetting the name of the sport from Harlem Heroes? Uh, Arabal. Yeah, that there's just like a, a couple of Arabal teams on the on the judge force, you know. Oh yeah, I'd imagine there would be. Right. Like it makes, or uh, I don't know if they actually like the only the, the only problem I'd have is that I don't know if, if they have time for recreation. Yeah, that's know? true. Have to be pretty quick like, games. Yeah. Um, I will say also, of course, the Flying Squad is a reference to a part of uh of the London Police Department, I believe, really? as made famous in the show The Sweeney. Where like uh, they deal with like a like I, th- I think they're like the major the major crime squad. They sort of you know they they, they 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 sort of aren't bound to a specific precinct. They can sort of investigate things as they um all around. That's why they're called the flying squad because they can go you know go to different locations and stuff like that. Okay. They're just sort of bound by one by one piece of geography. That's, that's my understanding at least. Could be wrong. I know it's got to do with the Sweeney, and that's the favorite show of like several key two thousand AD people. <laughs> so they make references to it a lot. <laughs> okay, like. Like, a former investigator from the Flying Squad was one of the guys that took down Bill Savage way back in the day. Really? Like, when the, From their initial base on the Island of Dogs and stuff. Okay. Um, yeah. Anyway, ne- uh, uh, next on Dread, Brendan McCarthy's on art as we start a story called The Witness. Dread is meeting with the Forensic Squad judge who's got a real cool, like, star <sighs> shoulder pads. I just gotta say, like, I love the art just overall in yeah. this. No, big wide helmet fish. That's, yeah, Brent McCarthy really doing his, really making his mark here. You know, we, we've seen him do a, a couple things so far this year, and now you, you can. I, I feel like you can really feel how comfortable he is with Dread as we see him sort of in a, like creating new kinds of uniforms like that. Strong and he's investigating a murder at a sauna. It's a stabbing. There's fingerprints on the knife belonging to Pr- Masseuse Prunella Belchard, who's got a very Grace Jones look. Mm. Uh, she says she's innocent and that this guy Keith did it, who's one of the guys that cleans up the place. Um, the dead guy is a frequent client that got fresh with Prunella and Keith took it personally, killing the man. She must have uh, picked up the knife afterwards, which is how she got her fingerprints on it. And the lie detector test says she's telling the truth. The judges send her home and start uh, trying to find Keith and question the other employees. It's basically like because it's a sauna and it's real steamy. They can't have robots do cleaning work. So they have sort of three guys, Keith, Carlo, and Pint Size. Otherwise, robots would rest and stuff. God, the victim um, is super gross also. So, yeah. Just an no, just interesting total, whole thing. Yeah. I mean, it, he's he's like a stereotypical like um you know get fresh with the uh with the employees sauna person you know yeah. what i mean <laughs> that makes sense um that night it seems keith has found pint size first and starts to choke him to death and we see that prunella or that keith actually is prunella <gasps> belcher she's a crazy lady with the multiple personalities oh my god i just saw the movie split everyone should see <laughs> <laughs> totally um 
After some quick recapping, we see judges catching up with the body of Pint Size. And he's been, you know, he's of course been strangled too. Dread heads out to find Carlo. He's in a stacker motel. Oh man. And we see Prunella now in full Keith mode entering the place as well. I, I gotta make mention that kind of like the opening page for Judge Dread. It's uh it's so they're at the autopsy lab and some mm-hmm. of the most gruesome horrific shit is being done to the to the uh Absolutely. to the victim's body. Like all of the mechanical arms are like tearing off his skin, his head's been <laughs> severed by a tiny little flying saw robot, his eyes Yikes. are being pulled apart by some kind of like clamps, <laughs> and he's got like ah. this thing hovering and picking up his brain. It's like it's all just disgusting. <laughs> it's so It's pretty awesome. It's rad. Sure. Don't get me wrong, but god damn. You know, I mean, you know, it, you you can do these real intense autopsies when they're just going to send you to recycle anyway, mm. you know. Recyc doesn't care if you're a whole body or just sort of a series of uh, of a uh, bags. You in know fact, what I mean? even better if they're just in pieces. Really saves on yeah. the labor of the machine. Re- Recycling them there first, I guess. Um, uh, so at the uh, at at the stacker place, we uh, we see Keith enter. He plans to kill Carlo and then Prunella. So this sort of split personality intends to kill themselves as well, though it doesn't seem aware of it. The Stacker Hotel is sort of a coffin joint, I guess. It's, it's very cyberpunk for me. Mm-hmm. You basically buy a shelf and there's a see-through door at it and you sleep the night. It's sort of like a, the hotel version of like a uh, of like an automat or, or like one of like those. It's the, like the fifth element, or, right? Where they're like yeah, in a transport yeah. ship. Exactly. Yeah, you're just sort of in like a little thing. And it's very like temporary life. You know, um, when the, the robot like uh, front desk guy sort of gives a lot of rules and stuff as, as you go in. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it doesn't seem like a great way to, a great place to sleep, especially if you're Carlo and you've witnessed a murder and now that murderer is crowbarring <laughs> to open your door and kill you. Really just <laughs> not, it's like, goddamn, you just can't escape and now even more you can't escape. Yeah. The door pops open just as Dredd arrives. Keith tries to strangle Dredd, but they're no match for the lawman. Carlo gets three years for not reporting the killing, of course. <laughs> Uh, Dread is exonerated for missing Prunella's mental problems, and the killer herself is headed for the psycho cubes. And well, whether she knows it or not, I mean, you know, one of her personalities did the crime, and that's enough to get you in there, buddy. I mean, come on, oh, you know. God, just... I mean, even even nowadays, like, I think you'd still be sort of going to a mental institution for life if you uh, if you killed somebody oh, while. Yeah. In whatever the actual like real life version oh, yeah. of um, multiple personalities, is. you still did it. Yeah, like you're still a dead guy. You still got to do something. And if you don't go to real jail, then you still got to go to fake jail or something. <laughs> um, or you know, you still got to you still got to one you still got to one flew over the cuckoo's nest it a little bit. You know uh, what I'm trying to say? Yeah, exactly. I just I <laughs> love the description. So okay, so here we go. Final dread story. Holy shit! It's snowing. Yeah. Always. No, just on Christmas. Uh, Cliff Robinson's on art, and this is another long Christmas dread story. Last year, it was that we had that Mean Machine story that was 14 pages long, and this one's like 10. Jesus. Um, and we're just breaking the fourth wall all over the place. Fox walks out for plaster because uh, there's just meta metafictional content yeah. all over it. Like, what the fuck? Like, I don't get why it was just constantly the narrator was changing shit, you know? Because it's just freaking Christmas, buddy. Yeah. Narrator, very pushy at the start of this story. (laughs) Causing a huge blizzard in Mega City 1. Then trying to find a villain in a nice guy named Bill Hudnut who likes dressing up as Santa and giving kids candy. But screw all that. He's got to be evil. Yeah, give give him a knife hand. 
Give him a, a crazy claw, a knife hand, and a visible brain through a glass panel in his forehead. You can just kind of see it sloshing around in there. Which, what the fuck? I don't know if your brain sloshes that much. Like, no. I'd be, this made me want to see someone who had a glass panel in their forehead. I don't know what's if going I'd on wish that brain on anyone. I'm sure it would actually not be very exciting, but, uh, you know, whatever. It's the, uh, it's the whatever, the, 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 the crazy monster within me. Uh, <laughs> oh, they also give him a sweet Quinn-barreled Raster Blaster pistol, which is pretty cool, and a murderous hatred of Christmas. Well, great. Let's just slice this kid down the middle. Yeah. Uh, soon, this new bill starts running amok, and Dread is on the way. Um, not long afterwards, Juliet Bouvier, the love interest, arrives. But hey, man, like I'm tired of these stereotypical blonde bombshell <laughs> love interests. Instead, let's make her like a short and fat lady named Juliet Boo yeah. and is in love with Bill Headnut. Headnut. God, and they're just really just like, what the fuck is going on, man? She finds him and asks what's up with the claw and the visible brain, but then she mentions Christmas and it's rampage time again. God, he shoots he- her like three times. Um, <laughs> Dreads on the way. And uh, there's a pretty funny part where Bill appeals to the crowd, like, do you know what it's like to be a raving psycho? And I do, says a member of the John Carlisle raving psychos, which is pretty funny. He's <laughs> just fuck. in a gang called that. And he's just, ah, shut up. And he shoots him. Uh, Dread arrives and shoots Bill. But Juliet interferes, professes his love for him, um, even after all, the, all all he's done. But then mentions Christmas again, which sends him over the edge, uh, both figuratively Lively and literally, as both he and Juliet are shot multiple times and fall to their apparent deaths. Um, the bodies are picked up, but there's a lot of questions, like why they look so different from how they're supposed to, and like just what the heck is going on here generally. <laughs> it's a tragedy, all right, but since it's Christmas, let's undo all that stuff and have Bill and Juliet get married and live happily ever after, then have Dread patrol the streets with a frankly terrifying smile on his yeah. face, giving out presents and not arresting people. The end! Wow. What the fuck? Robinson draws such an insane dread here. Like, just he looks so like he like he he's Joker esque in terms of how crazy he looks with a smile. I like being nice. To I people. don't like it. <laughs> no, uh, uh-uh. uh, that's real bad. It's it's kind of like he he intends to eat that child. I love it because the the kid comes up and wants to confess, and he's like, Nah, man, that kid could have been a serial killer. Yeah, could be PJ maybe, buddy, coming next year. Anyway. Anyhow, speaking of Conrad being super insensitive and a jerk, <laughs> let's go oh, to non-thrills, covers, and nerve centers. Hooray. <laughs> 4 a noon tales. Heads you lose? Slain's on the block in this, Collins by Col- in this cover by Collins and Farmer. The nerve center's in the middle of the prog this week, and it's mostly just previews of upcoming thrills, which we'll get to later in the episode. So, you know, good, to good times. Prog 500, it's one of my favorite covers ever, Fox. A montage of 2080 characters by artists past and present. It's fucking awesome, really. It's just kind yeah, of a, it's, it's a real... who's who of who you should know. Absolutely, yeah. There's uh, there's Hershey by Bolland, Turkamot and Rojas by O'Neill, Dan Dare with Cosmic Claw by Dave Gibbons, uh, uh, Steve Dillon Hammerstein, uh, uh, Rogue Trooper by K- uh, uh, Cam Kennedy. Oh, sorry, I'm, I'm out of my place. Uh, uh, Cliff Robinson, Judge Death. 
Bellardinelli drawing the two aces, Fabry doing Slane, Gibson doing Halo Jones, Akam Kennedy, Rogue Trooper, Mick McMahon doing Fig Angel, Eric Bradbury with a very nice Tharg, very classic, DR and Cringe by Alan Davis, Blue by Robin Smith, who I'm just going to imagine is Bill Savage just because he's got Thank a shotgun, you. but I sort of want to bring the characters I like in there. Uh, me Machine by Ron Smith, Nemesis by Brian Talbot, and uh, Dread by John Higgins, and Johnny Alpha by Carlos Escara. Oh, hell yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. 1977 to 1986 to 2019, Prog 500! Oh, yeah, baby. I like that the Prog 500 1977 to 1986, Tom Frame credited. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Um yeah, uh, Thar welcomes us to the nerve center with the standard stuff, Beetlejuicean sayings and intros to the new thrills and stuff. Fox, you know, when we started this podcast, October 2016, which feels like a lifetime oh, ago. That's, God, oh um, my God, it's almost three years now. <laughs> when, when we started this, um, the we, we started it on the same week that Prague 2001 came out. Ooh. So if we had started it then, and this would be 25% into 2000 AD. God damn. Just to freak you out. But still, 500 progs, man. Oh, it's a huge milestone. It is, and it's a beautiful one, man. I'm Definitely. loving it. Loving you guys. Loving you, Conrad. Hey, back at you in all ways. And back to, at you to everybody else. Yeah, listen. Frog 501. Flaming Nazis have a taste <laughs> of Tommy's cold steel. Bad company has arrived. Fuck. Um, yes. Yeah. Like, as much as I love this cover, I still feel like Bad Company's really best in black and white. Like, for me, just a lot of the stuff in Bad Company, we haven't, it, we didn't really get to it this episode, but it ended up having so much, like, uh, a lot of real mind bending shit in it that I feel like is best. <laughs> That's awesome. With kind of, with, with the underground comics feel that, that, that black and white has, if that makes sense. Yeah. No, I like, mean, I'm, Already, I barely know enough of the characters, and I love all of their designs. Yeah, like, I don't know, like, for me, like, it's not that color makes a difference, just that I feel like it's supposed to be in black and white, yeah. you know? It's a similar way that I, I think some people feel about, like, the Mad Max movie. Ninja Turtles, like, man, and, right? It's like Fury Road. Yeah, well, I mean, well, also, I mean, black and white Ninja Turtles also is a way different tone than cartoon Ninja mm. Turtles, you know? But um, still, either way. Anyway, <laughs> um, also this prog ends with the with a new feature A and B of the Mega City Primer, which I'm gonna do a collected version of after uh, we finish talking about the progs here. Oh, cool! Yeah, prog five hundred two. You monster, Neve and uh, Megrim in a cool lady fight in slain in the slain cover by, by Glenn Fabry. L things bright and beautiful. Whoa. <laughs> It's a 2000 AD featuring Santa Dread in the two days after Christmas edition oh, of the yeah. uh, Prog. In the Nerf Center, our one actual Nerf Center of this episode, uh, Tharg Swifty, sooner, sooner or Thriller, wishes you season's greeting and an extra long Dread story. There's a picture of Judge Garp and letters about a series of odd names in a Clint Eastwood movie to sort of like the name Fink appears a couple times and stuff like mm -hmm. that. Uh, also Fargo. There's a picture... Um, and there's letters about organ leg legging and the invention of riot foam pointing towards dread realities coming through, which I don't know. It's, it also talks about like mass shootings and stuff like oh. that also being an, ex an example of it. And like it's sad because they talk about this one, uh, the, uh, the San Ysidro McDonald's massacre, which at the time was the deadliest U.S. mass shooting ever in 1984. Uh, but today it's only the seventh most deadly. Yeah, we've uh, weirdly upped the ante since then. 
I mean, I don't think it's weirdly. I just think it's sadly. Yes. I guess. Well, <laughs> I, I guess I mean that, you know. Uh, yeah, no, I, I know what yeah. you mean. I know what you mean for sure. Finally, there's a letter asking about the Layers and Snares contest from the start of this year, which literally was like in like April this year. It's been a long time. Um, and we'll see the winner of that next prog. Also, this prog has Bert's Mega Quiz, which is 50 questions posed by various 2080 writers, artists, and editors about the thrills in 1986. It wasn't scored, though, so I didn't really like go too heavy in it. You know? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, some of these are, I mean, they're oddly specific. I mean, you, you know. Yeah. Yeah. No, definitely. I mean, it's like I always do – like I'm real good at multiple choice. I'm real bad when it's like what was the name of this one character from this one Dread story in March? You yeah. know, like that. that's hard to remember. Ain't going to remember. I guess if you had all yeah. of the old progs, you might go back through. I mean, you know, I mean we, we do have them, but like I'm, <laughs> I'm a busy man, Fox. I got to do – I got to do things. Do things, for instance, like the Mega City Primer. Cool. Which is a real cool, it's part of like a gigantic uh, like 12 prog uh, poster that's got really awesome art by Robin Smith and then basically the A to Z of uh, Judge Dredd, which goes like this. A is for Angel Gang, Pa, Jr., and Link, No Forgetting Mean Machine, and worst of all, Fink. A is also for Apocalypse, that sad east-west clash that reduced half the city to rubble and ash. And Anderson, telepath, side judge supreme. She's every perp's nightmare and every perp's dream. <laughs> B is for Block Mania, the solve made disease that brought madness and Mega City 1 to its knees. And Barney the computer, City Hall's best, and the Black Plague of Spiders, which swept in from the west. C, C is for Cursed Earth, whence came the Black Horde. C is for Chopper. King of the board. Yeah. C is for crime blitz that shatters the night. Don't bother protesting. You haven't the right. C is for Cal and his deputy fish. The death of the city was his manic wish. D is for dark judges, that unholy crew. Death, fire, fear, mortis. They're coming for you. D's also for Dave, the simian mare. May his soul rest in peace. Dread caught his slayer. Fuck yeah, justice. Yeah, buddy. Justice for Dave. <laughs> always. I love this thing, man. I love I love that kind of rhyming. Thing. Yeah. It's real simple, but it's always real fun. But it, it does do <laughs> some nice little throwbacks that, you know, even without the visuals, stimulate the brain. Yeah, I mean, it's fun to remember stuff like the Black Plague. We That, 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 that was actually in this year's uh, annual. Mm -hmm. Or just like, you know, all the Finks and Judge Cal and all that stuff. Um, and speaking of blasts from the past, blasting into the future, Fox, it's Thrill 5 Rogue Trooper. That's my boy. Taking, uh, script robots, yeah, <laughs> taking the mission, starting Rogue Trooper 2, or Rogue Trooper 3, I guess. Um, <laughs> script robots, Simon Geller and Steve McManus, art robots, Steve Dillon, letting robot, Gordon Robson, just one, uh, Rogue Trooper here. Rogue Trooper 3 is when, um... The you remember when he was like fighting up to the top of Nakatomi Tower and he threw that guy off the building? Well, three is where he actually fights that guy's brother, uh, who's trying to steal a bunch of gold bars from uh, yeah. New York City. Right, and instead of just sort of like a like a corridor based closed level design, it becomes an open world stuff with like extensive driving driving sections and stuff like that too. Yeah, man. And like also also weirdly like a logic also like. Logic puzzles? Yeah. That, which seems out of place. 
Listen, man, sometimes you just got to figure out how to fill a jug of water to like four gallons, having only a five gallon and two gallon or three gallon jug. I, I, I don't know how to do it. Like that is too smart for me. I will say um, I love that. Like good day to die hard. Real good. Probably like the last good die hard movie. I want to say there like, should not actually be an argument with you about that. So come come at <laughs> me. It's like Sam Jackson, you know, nice, um, great anyway. Genetic infantryman Rogue has been offered a job to travel the spaceways, killing people to bring about peace. He's kind of agonizing over it, but his chip buddies aren't really worried, mostly because they're in a VR beach chilling with a lady GI. Yeah, I know? mean, whatever. Like, they, once again, the chips are just like my least favorite part. <laughs> it's mm. like, fuck it, right? And I mean, like, he eventually yeah. gets there where he's like, well, I guess I get this cool space bracelet and I get to kill some dudes. Seems to be fine. Yeah. Uh, speaking of which, the rep for these aliens, Venus Blue Jeans, has arrived to answer any of his questions. Things get real trippy as she shows him the beam, the Beamer army, yeah. which is made up of various dead Norts and Se- Norton Souther officers and troops animated by the suits they wear. So that means the so genies like, are dead, dog. Yeah, seriously. And that the one that he killed was already dead. You know, bad times. Um, these aliens have a plan, though. If they kill enough key personnel... They estimate 34 in total. The war will grind to a halt. 21 have been killed so far, and Rogue is the only one that can take the rest out because they've been now hipped to this assassination plan. His first target is Yang To, a Nort general. Uh, Rogue takes all, takes all this to the chips, and they eventually all agree to fight, though Gunner is reluctant. Rogue hits the button, and they're off for the first hit. All right. Yay. You're an assassin now. A, a temporal yeah. assassin. Mm, I think it's just actually um, through through space, not time, okay. as I understand it. Um, but Rogue Trooper will return with hit one in Prague 520. So um, I will say that, like, I've sort of been thinking about whether this is, like, possible. Like, if you killed 34 dudes, that it would bring peace or, like, end all war, I guess. Because I don't think that that would happen even in, like, on Earth. If there were, like, 30, that there were 34 well, I mean, people, that would sort of end all conflict. The, the whole, well... Because they're also a part of military structures, right? The whole purpose of a military structure is someone can, right. like, it's a replaceable mechanism. Yeah, exactly. But then I also thought that maybe these aliens aren't saying that they want to end all war. They just want to end this intergalactic war or interstellar war mm-hmm. between the Norts and the Southers. And I do think that it'd be possible to kill a, to kill certain key personnel that would lead to both sides having, like, being stuck in, like, civil war. Or like that would sort of slow down intergalactic, you know, interstellar trade and uh, and resupply and stuff enough that it would that it would end the war because it couldn't be fought. Anymore. Or like the you guys I mean? that might replace them are more apt to to shoot for a treaty of some kind. Yeah, I'm saying that I'm I'm pre- I'm thinking that this is less a go a goal for peace and more the the end of the conflict on its current scale. Mm. If that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's fine. They're they're neutering it's the like, dog, as it were. Yeah, I mean it's one of these things where, like, you know, if uh, if um, you know, if America were to like fall into civil war in the middle of World War II, like that would be pretty rough in terms of like it, its ability to fight oh, Germany. Oh boy. You know what I mean? Anyway, Conrad's alternate history novel aside, um, in the middle of Prague 500, though, our buddies Dr. and Quint show up. They're bummed they aren't part of the Prague 500 celebration, celebrations, and that they're stuck on the next page to some real. Thrill Six, Bad Company. Aw, uh, yeah, boy. God damn, do bad I. Bad Company. I love this. Born with a six gun in my hand, baby. 
Yeah. A script robot Peter Milligan, art robot Brett Ewens, and, and Mike McCarthy. Lettering robot Tom Frame. The Planet Ararat, Fox. June 24th, 2210. There's um Danny Franks, or sorry, I should say one, that Ararat is where Noah's Ark landed after the flood. Um, and also that this story actually started life as a Judge Dredd spinoff Ooh. in the aborted um, Judge Dredd, uh, uh, we, uh, I, th- I think, monthly comic that, that, that they were going to do. That's also what uh, what Hell Trekkers came out of. Although this has been repurposed and I don't believe it's and, – and, and it's not part of the Dredd universe anymore. Um, Danny Franks is a soldier fighting aliens called the Cruel. The, world, the war is not going well. They're torturing captives, and he can hear their cries, keeping him and his fellow soldiers awake for the last couple of weeks. They've got a new commander, Peck, and he's telling them to surre- that they're going to have to surrender to the crew and sort of, you know, become prisoners of war and hopefully get out of the war that God, way. what a pushover. The men, yeah, the, the men, including Danny, don't want to do this. Like, they, you know, it's pretty obvious that being captured by the crew is a fate worse than death. Um the argument is ended when a noise comes from outside in no man's land where there are war zombies on the move. Just the uh, the, the dead bodies of human troops attacking their, their, uh, their base. They approach the bunker the troops are in and the troops are reluctant to shoot their own dead buddies when suddenly some kind of animal attacks yes. them. Ugh. A couple of their, a couple of their cool soldier guys show up, including a dude with a Frankenstein head, another dude shouting World War II phrases, <laughs> and a sweet robot guy. Fucking Kano, man! I love all of this. Yeah, they tear through the zombies and introduce themselves. They're the Nightmare Division, the renegades who operate behind cruel lines, led by a man who's madder than the cruel. He's Kano, and they're in bad company now. I love that. Uh, dog brain is kept on a chain leash. <laughs> Definitely, yeah. There's a there's a whole bunch of them. It's it, I don't know if I can describe. I I forgot to just do a thing describing them. I'll I'll do that next time. Sorry, everybody. But there is one guy named Dog Brain who's definitely like a man beast hybrid that Kano keeps on a leash. Um, just sort of like smelling out cruel or something. It seems like. I mean, oh, God, they're just. I love them all. I I love yeah. each and every one, and they the at least for the first few that they kind of introduce within uh, the next three progs. They got they got mm-hmm. some good character to them, right? Each one seems a oh bit yeah, different. definitely. Danny writes in his journal, musing on the ent- the entomology of the word miracle and the weirdness <laughs> of bad company. One of the members, a crazy zombie duster wearer guy named Thrax, calls them tur- turnip heads. Like it's Deadwood, and gets them like back in, uh, back on the mark with only two hours of sleep. Feels kind of, yeah, it's kind of a vampire look. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, he's got, yeah, he's kind of like, um, like, like uh, sunken, or like, mm. yeah, he's got like, um, or, or shriveled, I guess. Um, Thrax and Kano definitely seem like the top two guys in Bad Company and have a very rocky relationship. Though Thrax is clearly like playing it up for laughs to avoid suspicion. We meet other company members like Malcolm, a dude with dreadlocks and a cool eye patch, and Mad Tommy Churchill, who, of course, thinks that it is World War II. It, it, it's funny because there was a character like this in um, in some of Hammerstein's memories yeah. when he was um, fighting the Volgan War. There was a character who thought he was a bomber in World War II, like literally like flying around and stuff like that. It's an interesting like take on things, I guess. I mean, it, As the company, there are some one-to-ones. But, like Thrax does feel a little bit black-bloodish. Mmm, kind of, yeah. As the company marches, Kano gets a whiff of cruel and orders the new troopers, Danny among them, to scout ahead and draw them out. <laughs> Here, you guys just walk out there and see if something starts shooting. 
Yeah. Danny has a very sci-fi kind of reverie about how humans used bait to catch food. Like, oh, there used to be these things called fish and would use bait to find them. Um, and he's apparently saying this all out loud, which really pisses off the other the other <laughs> soldiers. And things get real tense between them when the crew will attack. The veterans fall among the aliens and Lieutenant Peck has taken some unarmed cruels uh, prisoner, quote unquote, though a wrist knife one of them has soon shows them to be pretty well armed. Peck is killed and Kano shoots the cruel prisoner to custard. We don't take prisoners. I mean, they even express like, oh, you know, he just needs to shoot a cruel for a minute or two until they're good. He's just going to. Yeah, he's just gonna go all like a uh, Bruce Willis in a in a Sin City on this guy Fuck for yeah. you know a couple of minutes. Speaking of Bruce Willis references, I guess um, Thrax says they should ditch all these new troops, but Kano decides to keep the survivors because most of them won't live that long anyhow. Danny's buddy, who's got a sweet baseball cap, is not pleased with how big a jerks bad company is being to these new guys. I mean, you know, including themselves. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Danny and the guys wake up, and the rest of Bad Company is gone. Whew. Deep behind enemy lines, they have to figure out what to do as the crew attack them. Oh, God, we got to get the fuck out of here. Yeah. Dodging fire, the soldiers make their way through the jungle, trying to get back to human lines. They traverse a chasm using a cool gun that fires a chain with like a knife. It's called a chain gun. It's fucking great. Chain gun. Though they lose one of their guys in the process of crossing. Which. And another one goes paranoid and runs right into a vampire tree and gets eaten alive. Oh, boy. Thinning that herd, huh, guys? Mm Mm-hmm. After hours of walking, they find themselves right back where they started, and bad companies there to laugh at them about it. Aw, you guys are suckers. Yeah, we totally basically killed two of you. Isn't that funny? Yeah. This was to winnow out the the weaklings and show the survivors the horror of the planet. Very Mel Brandon or uh, Marlon Brando profile of Kano here. As Danny reflects that all the uh, bad company members are cruel and insane, even Malcolm, who Danny thought was kind of turning into his buddy. Next time on Bad Company, the Golgotha Plane. Man. I mean, like, yeah. I love like, it. Like, the, com- the the comparisons between Bad Company and, like, maybe less like, or I don't know. Like, it's it's hard because in both Heart of Darkness and Apocalypse Now, like, you're very much, like, on your way to meet Colonel Kurtz mm. instead of just sort of hanging out with him for most of the story, yes. you know? So it, it's different in that way. But both of them are very much about this sort of commanding officer who has gone mad from fighting a war for too long. Yeah, I mean, I feel the inspiration, but it's also badass sci-fi. If I, if yeah, exactly. That makes sense. So this is, I, I mean, I, I think that this for me, feels a lot more close to that source material and gets the awesome parts right than Rogue Trooper, if that makes mm. sense. Like, Yeah, it is an interesting, like, compare, like, you know, we should definitely keep an eye out for comparisons to Rogue Trooper with this stuff, for sure. Mm-hmm. And, and it, it's pretty fun so far. It seems, I mean, a lot of things have been good out the gate, but this this has me super hopeful. It seems awesome, and, uh, yeah. like, I, I don't know. The designs... Yeah, that's exactly where I like was Like you going. said, like, the... The the design's really cool. Like like every member of Bad Company seems unique. I also really love the, the like the cruel. Like they kind of look like uh like 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 potatoes with like spiky hair, <laughs> yeah. like weird eyes, and just giant toothy maws. You know, yeah, like it, they're really cool too. It hats off to Ewan's and McCarthy. You know, like it just looks. Yeah, it has it has its own feel to it, which I really enjoy. Absolutely. Yeah. 
Um, and speaking of um, and of uh, mind-bending stories in the far future, Fox. Yeah, fuck yeah. Thrill Seven, Nemesis the Warlock. Let's let's have some familial struggles. Always, <laughs> yeah. Uh, script about Pat Mills, art about Brian Talbot, letter about Gordon Robson as Kid Robson. Um, it's the end of the world. Holy shit! Alien, yeah. Alien freedom fighter Nemesis is surrounded by the monads, psychic entities warped by termites' pers- uh, purification plants. In a desperate move, Nemesis suffers an army of shadowy devils to fight the monsters, and it's demons versus collective unconsciousness, and the monads seem to be winning. Oh, it's real awesome. You know, it's just something about like watching. This woman on a horse, monster man, with like just the words vengeance, apocalypse now, and wrath carved into it, eating demons yeah. that just like screams metal cover. Definitely. Yeah, no, all this stuff's real awesome. Um, during a lull in the fighting, our buddies, the ABC Warriors, uh, recover with black blood drinking the oil of uh, the Hataki, the, the, the warrior that was mostly killed Which, last time. Dude. Yeah. But suddenly, the Terminators are on the scene. Torquemada and Candida flee. Torquemada plan to head back to Earth and retake the throne. Candida doesn't want to go. She's ready to embrace the oblivion here at the end of time. Jesus. But Tomas is, of course, hungry for power. Just, like, backhands her, man. Like, she's yeah. she's lost her kids. She's like, dude, I'm just straight up done. Like, can we not? Yeah. No, Tomas Torquemada, bad, bad boyfriend. Yeah. Um, bad. Suddenly, his brother, Nostradamus Torquemada, appears. He confronts Tomas about leaving him in the future and confesses his love for Candida. There's some conversation about that fidelity bomb in <laughs> Candida's head works, just sort of like like it, like they were able to like shack up a little bit when Torquemada was in like spirit form and dead, but now it's back on there, basically. Yes. Nostradamus punches Tomas, and then goes for a kiss with Candida. I made it, Ma! End of the world! And there's a big bang explosion! <laughs> no worries, though. That was just the inflatable Candida that Nostradamus was carrying around. Rojas popped it, because he's a weirdo. Um, <laughs> it looks like the monads turned on the attacking Terminators, and that lets the forces of chaos regroup. And they're just in time for those primords, the sort of, you know, soup of future humanity in diving suits, to come back and force Torquemada to drink from the cup of oblivion and join their melty goop nirvana. Uh, but then, uh, never mind. <laughs> yeah. Well, Nem- you know, they've told Nemesis where to find Thoth, so he's basically cool with letting uh, Torquemada die. But suddenly... Nemesis stops him because he's got an idea. Basically, Torquemada is so evil that surely his spirit would be foul, the slime of Nirvana. Um, so, you know, they can't just obliviate him. Great. But he can't keep living, right? Like, we gotta do something about this, <laughs> right? Yeah, right, exactly. Huff, right to the fucking shin zone. <laughs> yeah. Nemesis proceeds to start beating Torquemada to death. And soon everybody's joining in. Hammerstein <laughs> for making him a living bomb. Purity for, his fa- for her father. Mechwig for his mother. Well, I mean, he wants wants to kill Torquemada. Like, he didn't do anything to his mom. But, you know, don't, don't be a jerk about this. He just wants to help. Um, <laughs> soon, the whole team is piling on, trying to claim killing the Grandmaster. And Nemesis is left to decide who gets the honor. And he decides to get all fancy, because he does still have some supervillain in him. And uh, decrees that Torquemada will be turned over to the Terminators, who will finally put down this mad dog. I mean, I get I get the plot. I get yeah. the feeling nope. behind yeah, too it. Too neat. <laughs> and, but don't, I mean, like, it's always never a good idea, right? 
Yeah, like don't don't trust these humans. Jesus Christ! And like, mind you, know. you, like everybody knows, he knows how to spin the insanity yarn on these guys. Like, yeah, that's his whole thing. Uh, his whole thing is that he's got these guys brainwashed. Oh man, it just seems like such a bad choice. Yeah, but I mean, it is also you know, I mean, Nemesis can't, can't help his evil nature. That's you know? true. Like he'll tell you he's evil, you know, so it, it makes sense. The Terminators have captured Torquemada, the Grand Dragon holds a knife to Nostradamus, and the melty brother of Torquemada Nostradamus goes to kill him, but instead Torquemada appeals to the other Terminators, of course. Like, you know, the elite guys that are here at the end of time are also his most favored troops, <laughs> and some loyalty to him still pumps in their veins, man. Jesus. Torquemada denounces Nemesis, says that the Grand Dragon is a mamby-pamby, wishy-washy, pinko liberal, and the two of them... <laughs> have a de- an impromptu debate about being either cool dudes and chilling with aliens versus being dope-ass space racists. I, um, and as always, space racism wins the day. I mean... Sad truth. My favorite part is the the Grand Dragon is like, better prison conditions, and then Torquemada re- retorts with nothing worse than a soft concentration camp. It's crazy. There's some crazy stuff in here, and I wonder how much of this is like, is like Pat Mills, like, parodic... Parody- I can't say that word. I do parodying some of the um, like like terms and buzzwords of the day in 1986. Like I, I could see that, you know. Um, so you know, ba- bad times. Turkomata heads back to Termite and busies himself with the long tor long form torture and murder of the Grand Dragon, surrounded by Terminators in literal KKK robes. <laughs> bad times. <laughs> Just in case you weren't sure if uh, if they were really bad dudes. Like, not even, like, stylized space KKK oh, no. robes, you know? Like, the real thing. <laughs> um, he, gets a, he, he gets a video call from Nemesis, who's surprised that he's still alive, and he says that he's now returning to, once again, cleanse and purify the galaxy of deviant aliens. The best part is, you know that they're using Skype. You ain't Skype. seen nothing yet! The best part is, you know that they're oh, using yeah. Skype because, you know, the quality's just real shit. Oh no! Early days podcasting for Torquemada for the Torquemada Nemesis show. <laughs> Let's hope someday they learn to speak into the right sides of their microphones. Oh, Next time, the death of a Navy Sea warrior. Don't out me, bro. Hey, I added myself. Love I did you. it too. Um, anyway, it's fucking fantastic. Speaking of people with bre- with bad brains, Fox, <laughs> it's through eight future shocks. Oh yay! Just one future shock here. The Ship That Liked to Dance, script robot Jamie De- De- Delano, art robot Barry Kitson, letter robot Mark King. It's pretty cute. So, yeah, it's a fun one. After 200 years, the spaceship Dancing Fool is nearing the end of its journey, welcomed back by the starship Valkyrie and its owner, Dr. Blix Omaha. He's looking that real weird dancing. in his hover egg chair and is like fucked up. I mean, like his body is yeah, I mean, mostly he's been, gone. Yeah, he's been technologically kept alive for 200 years. So it's basically saying that, like, oh, with the ship able to travel the cosmos and now all of us able to live a really long time, we can finally colonize the stars. But as the ship approaches, it starts broadcasting. It's on the dock and ready to rock. <laughs> um, the fool blasts by the Valkyrie, seeming trying to ram it or possibly dance with it. Near destruction, Blitz is forced to admit the truth. His ship is controlled by a human brain, and it's now been awake and conscious in deep space for two centuries. And the thing is that they couldn't get any donors originally for brains, so they just kidnapped a dude and took his brain, not knowing that he was a crazy dude obsessed with dancing. Oh, my God. 
With this revelation, the two ships crash into each other. Only use top-level brains for space exploration. Bah, bah, bah. I, yeah, I feel like, you know, that comes with the obvious territory. Use someone who, like, there's gotta be geniuses who are like, yeah, use my brain for the super flight engine. Plus, like, this is even like Frankenstein where you just need the brain to, like, make arms move and go up and down and stuff like that. Presumably, like, space travel requires the brain to do a lot of calculations and, you know, have, like, um, some cognizance and stuff. Yeah, this guy did not seem top of the crop, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Weird stuff. (laughs) Uh, But speaking of top of the crop, Fox. Oh, my God. Or just speaking of, uh, you know two pals going through space um, and talking about adventures for a really long time. It's Thrill 9, Tharg's Head Revisited. Oh boy. Oh boy, yeah, script about Pat Mills, Alan Moore, and Mike, um, or just like a lot of people here. Listen, a lot of writers, a lot of artists, all the guys you think of, we'll get to it as we go. Um, anyway, it's Prog 500 Fox. Mm. We're bringing back some classic artists to reflect on the years that have passed. It's sadly not very well collected, this story, and it's also very hard to recap fully because each page is full of little in-jokes and references just constantly. Um, you told me earlier this had a lot of words. It's got a lot of images as well. It's crazy. Yeah. It, it, it's, an, it's, it's maybe, if, at least for the, like, from what I can think of in the past, this is easily one of the things that just, like, my brain started breaking partway through this. <laughs> yeah, it's super dense, for sure. So, um... Let's so I'll I'll do my best here. We start with uh, with Dave Gibbons doing art, and we see Tharg uh, wallowing in nostalgia as his old memories are whited out to clear up space. They paint over our good buddy uh, Bill Savage, which one, Dan Derek? Yeah, seriously. And Dan Derek complains about his fate. He's made into a superhero and uh, then left ending on a cliffhanger. Tharg make, makes reference, I believe, to the current Eagle version of um Dan Dare as well. Shout out to where Eagles Dare. Mm-hmm. Um. On the bottom of the page, there's a ton of Gibbons characters, including Rogue Trooper, Artie Gruber, Big E from Tornado and a Harlem Hero. Um, there's also like a Joe Friday from that one uh, Time Cops one. It's like, <laughs> I'm Joe Saturday and I'm a swipe. A lot of references to people reusing art from other people and like swiping art and stuff in this whole thing. Um, next up, it's Alan Moore and, and Ian Gibson for One Last Ride. Guest star and Sam Slade, Hoagie and Stogie. And uh, Halo Joan and Rodice complain about a whole bunch of stuff. Rewrites to book two to remove future speak. They say Tharg can't afford a book four of Halo Jones anyway. <laughs> and this sort of generally disrespect him, Jeez. you know. Um, next, it's, it's, it, it's Mike McMahon. Um, with one repeated image over and over, because apparently his actual version of a story called Tharg and or a Dread and the Bloodsuckers, which was about artists that swipe art from other artists, um, uh. was basically they said they couldn't run it, so instead he just sort of used a, a reuse a bunch of times because he had to re- submit something last minute. Um, basically, it's an interesting thing, and I think like uh, there's been some references to it actually in like some of the scan covers, sort of calling out some swipes. I've seen those in uh, in the versions of the comics we have. You know, it's it, it's a problem. Like we 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 we've got these re- revolving door of artists yeah. and dread, especially, and just sort of who's responsible for what and identifying this stuff. It's above my pay grade, but I think it's still sort of worth. You know, like all artists should should, should be respected and compensated. Absolutely, and all that stuff. It's that, I, I think that's very important. The next page is by Cam Kennedy. 
who um, has uh, is preparing to execute all the artists and writers that have gone over to the American Which... side before Rogue. <laughs> it's pretty good. You can see them all like up against like a uh, post. There's like uh, you can see Alan Moore and Dave Gibbons and Cam Kennedy himself and stuff. It's is, pretty funny. Is there some shit to unpack here? Because <laughs> I feel like there's yeah. some shit to unpack here. <laughs> well, I mean, you know. A big thing we've been seeing, especially sort of in this transition from the early 80s to the mid 80s, is a lot of these sort of the top, especially like or a lot of the top artists, especially being basically poached by American companies that, you know, they can pay way more money because, you know, British comics like like classically tight fisted sort of to this day in terms of of paying people reasonable amounts and stuff. And so. You know, there is sort of I feel like there is kind of a sense of like, you know, if you distinguish yourself as an artist in 2000 AD, then your end goal is to be picked up by by DC, basically, and start drawing Superman or something like that. You know, I mean, that's what Ballins and Gibbons did for sure. Ballins and Gibbons. Um, and before Rogue and before Rogue can, can pull the trigger, Captain Dollar appears and signs Rogue, Rogue away. Probably a reference to how Kennedy himself isn't long for 2000 AD. Jesus. Fun. Finally, Kev O'Neill takes over, and we learn that Tharg has brought him back to England and promises he can draw all the gross, crazy stuff he always wanted now that he's gained controversy in the States. We, we sort of talked about this, actually, um, previously, how, how Kev O'Neill did this one um, uh, Alan Moore Green Lantern story that was disavowed by the Comics Code Authority. Like, they basically said, like, we can't rate this. Which they'd like, I, they'd either never done before, or they'd only done for comics that were about like specifically about like drug use or something, like you know, like speedy, like a uh, like Green Arrow's uh, sidekick is strung out on heroin. So you know, it's, it's it's an important message, but we can't get the comics code to to okay it. Which, you know, all right. And Ke- Kev O'Neill got that, but just because he gr- drew gross ass shit in like <laughs> a, a, a sci-fi setting, you know. Which I mean, that's just I, it's like asking I don't know person not yeah. to think like that's that is like what makes him amazing i agree definitely yeah i mean and, and that's sort of what what he feels like too and he you know with the okay for ultra violence we see him now go crazy on tharg beating the crap out of him ending with a giant tharg head with bonjo from beyond the stars bursting out of tharg's <laughs> brain and stuff it's real crazy right um, and everybody wishes us a, a happy Prog 500. Armageddon is sad because everyone says he's too weird. And like, this has just seemed like a huge, big, like, vent session, basically, yeah. for all the creators of 2000 AD. We'll see this again, actually. Um, I mean, you know, what in, in the far future, in like the uh, 25th anniversary of 2000 AD, there, there's another one of the, um, with, you know, art by multiple artists sort of talking about, um, you know, old thrills, meeting new thrills and stuff. That one's also got a guest appearance by Halo Jones, though it's not drawn by Ian Gibson or written by Alan Moore. And um, it's also got actually a whited out Bill Savage, as I recall, which is kind of a weird, like, uh, through line or something. Um, But yeah, I mean, I'm not a huge fan of this. Like, it's a big anniversary, so let's bitch about stuff, I guess. Like, I'd kind of, I'd kind of rather this, almost rather that this kind of kept themselves or something, you know, because it does make me kind of feel bad about liking 2000 AD almost just to see the creators be sort of so unhappy in creating it, I guess. Yeah. Like, I, I mean, I, I completely support better working conditions and and fairer pay. Um, I don't know if a, 15 year old or younger is you know the audience for that outlet 
<laughs> I mean, I think it's more just sort of they have an outlet to do it. I mean, there's no they they de- definitely don't like say a way to like uh, you know for you to fix this. You know, there's no like hey like write in and like demand that people be paid more or something right. like that. You know, <laughs> I think it's more just j- just event session, mm-hmm. I guess. But because this thing this because Starks had revisited kind of shows the cracks within the edifice of 2000 AD. For me, this is really the official end of this 2080 golden age that we've been looking at since maybe Block Mania started in in the end of 81, you know. Like, as we go into 87, we're now in basically a Silver Age until, like, you know, the early 90s. Until it's bat country. Things get, yeah, until, un, 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 until we're in the Dark Ages, you know. This is sort of like, I mean, I'm not going to say there's not amazing, awesome stuff coming because there definitely is. Like, 87, I'm incredibly excited for. But it's a little – it's just different than what we've had up until this point, definitely. I think it's just something to look out for. We should definitely talk a little bit more about that next episode. And before we get to there, let me just say I hope everybody enjoyed the show. Or sorry, sorry. Do you want to talk about – do you have any more thoughts about Tharg's Head Revisited? No, no. I think you you hit that on the head. I was – it was very dense for me in terms of like I – I I needed context, and you are always yeah. the, the finest of the contextmen. Yeah, I mean, I hope I did it. I I, I I hope I did it a moderate amount of justice. I definitely say, like, if you want to know more about this thing, about all this stuff, it's definitely good to read. You know, the various books about this stuff. Steve McManus has one. Pat Mills has one. There's sort of a um, thrill power overload. It's kind of an oral history of it and stuff. You know, there's definitely a lot of like things. I mean, I feel like this is like this with any create, like especially corporate creative endeavor. But, you know, there's a lot going on under the surface of 2000 AD. And it is tough if you're just sort of reading along like, oh, I like my comic about Judge Dredd <laughs> to, um, to suddenly have like be like a message like, we hate this. We hate this comic. Yeah. Like, stop buying it so we can be fired, you know, Jesus. Like, or something like that. Like it, it, it's, it's a crazy thing. Yeah. Strong agree. Um, it's confusing. So, anyhow, Fox, with that, we've finished December of 1986. Jesus oh Christ. God. It's been it's been a, a a thrilling year. It's been a been a long year. I'm glad to be shut of this bastard. Get out of here, 1986. <laughs> no one likes you. Jesus. No, seriously. But speaking of December, I have one question and one question alone, Fox, a question that could change the very shape of this podcast and perhaps the world itself. My god. What were your I top would... and bottom thrills? <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna tell you right now, man. I it, this this month was kind of an easy pick for me because I'm really excited about where this is going. Uh, I'm giving this one to Slane. Like I really, nice. I I am in, I enjoyed uh like parts of the um uh sort of like Albion adventure, as it were. Uh, but where I'm really looking forward to is Slain the King. Like I like the art style change, which I, I mean, admittedly it wasn't like massive, but it got way more detailed, got way more beautiful. He got his Mac on finally with Nest. Yeah, um, well, Fabry's really great. Is really great artist for sure. And yeah, like just the build up uh, with these yeah. shark people, because these were the same dudes that were rolling through on giant skull glaciers, right? Like mm-hmm. yeah, definitely. Yeah. So like these guys have been built up for a minute, and I'm pretty excited to just kind of see where this is all gonna shake out. Cause like I I have no idea what's coming. 
right? There aren't mm-hmm. there aren't fucking lasers or fucking plukes or anything in the in like <laughs> the coming thing. But we've got a cauldron that like spits fucking who knows what. We've got like a fucking a dragon and a warrior king going to not really rescue his bride and a bunch of other shit that's just like I'm I'm curious, especially because we know the L's um are kind of behind a lot of this so we could see Mm -hmm. some returning stuff i don't know i'm i'm just really excited and i'd like to you know this is like people who fucking warp spasm because it's their thing right so i'm yeah i'm just really stoked to see where that goes and i think that this build up in slaying the king is is getting me there you know it's like hey enough enough of this not doing crazy action shit we're done doing these herculean tasks it's time to like chop off some heads and and yeah, but just that's a, the key. and then just a a minor mention to Bad Company, which I think starts really well out the gate, kind of setting up, um, kind of what to expect, and not kind of blowing its load on all the characters quite yet, right? Like mm-hmm. walking them through. So I feel like they're gonna give this some time versus like say Mean Team, which is like these are who all the people are. Okay, we're here now. Bye. And it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I was excited, but like, you know. Anyway, uh, and for bottom, I mean, shit, man, I don't know. I guess I can't say Tharg's head because I, I mean, I didn't hate it. So, uh, fuck. Uh, God, I kind of got to throw a dart on this one, man. <laughs> um, God, this is rough. No, it's tough. This is a pretty, there's, there's not a lot of bad stuff in this month for sure. No, exactly. So I'm just going to say, I feel like I've already used this trump card before. So I'm just going to say other stuff, mm-hmm. <laughs> like anything that kind of wasn't the main, because I'm not, I'm not hating anything else that went on. Actually, I think all of the rest was pretty, pretty fucking adequate, but you know, uh, sooner or later and, uh, future shocks, even though it was a fine future shock and I will even just for good measure, uh, throw in head of Tharg, just like, nah, I, I mean, <laughs> like all of that I could have left out and this would have been like, Mwah, like just yeah. standard deliciousness prog, <laughs> but you know, I hear you. I'm, I'm sitting here, I'm, I'm flapping my gums, you know, I'm really, I'm chewing this fat here. I'm using idioms. And, uh, you know, Conrad, I- I'm going to scratch my head here because, you know, something's really bothering me. I need What's to that, know. What's that, The people mm. must know. Always. Oh, man, you sprung this question on me out of nowhere. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, man, this what this was a really good month. Um, there's a lot of really cool stuff in here. I mean, any, honestly, almost any time there's just a, the big relaunch of 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 2002 when i do like you know like all right here's a bunch here's the story here's a whole slate of new stories and stuff that's always really good i think for my top i'm gonna say bad company that's really awesome just right out of the gate you know like it really draws you in and makes you want to read like read more about it and learn about these characters and stuff and that's really um like i i I think you said it really well and i'm just yeah i'm just really stoked about it i'm stoked about it sort of knowing what i'm getting into as well i'm really (laughs) this is one of my like this is one of my favorite um like a a really top story for me, I think it's definitely one that I've been looking forward to, and I'm really stoked that we've made it here. Oh, you know? fuck yeah, man! All right. Um, they'll also say like also really excited for slaying the king. This story is going to get real crazy awesome, and I think you're going to really like it, Fox. So I'm really stoked about that. Really? Also, Dread was real good this month too. Yeah, um, the mystery, like big, right? Yeah, that big Brent McCarthy story was real good, mind bending and stuff. I really. Lo- Holy shit. I feel like we also skipped the, the Dread Christmas story, Fox. We got to go do that in a second, too. Okay. Um, <laughs> Jesus. Um, 
And um, like all, all those stories are really cool. I'm going to say for my – and it's hard to pick a bottom um, for this one, yeah. especially because the things that I would pick for a bottom, like maybe a Future Shock or like a Rogue Trooper, weren't that bad. Um, yeah. But so you know I th- the, you know the but, rules. Yeah. Our, our mandate is to always try to put things in, in an order. So I'm going to say with a metaphorical gun to my head. Um, it's rough. It's hard. I know. I had to cop out. I'll put like I'll, I'll put a combo of Rogue and Strontium Dog down there just because, uh, you know, like I don't want Strontium Dog to end. I want more Strontium Dog. I don't want to wait fair. a week. I want to get these going now. You know what I mean? Yeah, man. <laughs> I'm all about that. I, I mean, firm believer in Strontium Dog as a near permanent fucking placement. Plus, Strontium Dog should be in the barrel for once, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow. In the doghouse, as it were. Yeah, it's not for people who, who who love talking about it, me and Fox. I hope everybody enjoyed the show. As always, you can find Space Spinner 2000 on iTunes, Stitcher, the Google Play Store, Spotify, or our podcast site, spacespinner2000.com. Feel free to contact us at spacespinner2000 at gmail.com on the 2080 forums or on our Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter pages on Twitter at spacespinner2k. Everything else, look up Space Spinner 2000. We should be there. And then come back next time as you've once again finished a whole year of 2000 AD. And it's time for our 1986 year in review show, The Spinnies. Woo! Because of the break we took in the middle of this year and then sort of going to every other week releases, oh, this feels like a super long year, man. I feel like we've been doing 1986 forever. Um, but glad to, but it's also been a year of amazing thrills. So it's a great time to talk about them, give a look at the, and then give a look at the year ahead in our review show, who will win the golden Frisbee. And I'll say also because of how we're releasing the show, if you've got opinions about 1986, if there's stuff you liked about the progs, stuff you didn't like, you got top choices, you, uh, want to rank all the years of 2000 AD, all that stuff. Um, send it in. I, I said last year I was going to try to have a comprehensive guide to what makes a good year 2000 I've been slacking on that, but I should hopefully have something made up for an objective points count um, by the time we're, we're together. For the <laughs> yeah, send you know, to any of the social media things I dropped on before. Send in your spinning nominations. Well, we want to hear from you. I think that'd be super awesome. And until then, I'm Conrad. He's Fox. And we... Our Space Spinner 2000. Splendid Splendid Verthrig!